Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermon. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. Over the next few minutes, what I want to do is I want to uh, actually share with you what I would consider a pretty practical, straightforward message that I think every person in this room can relate to, that it really doesn't matter if you are, if you've been walking with Jesus for 40 years, if you've been walking with him for a week, I think you can probably relate to this. And so, um, Jesus, we thank you for your anointing. Speak to us. Amen. So to get us moving, I want to I read actually a very familiar passage of Scripture. It comes out of the third chapter of Genesis. If we can, let's look at it together, starting in verse 1. It says this, As the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. It says, One day he asked the woman, Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it, and you will be like him, knowing both good and evil. It says the woman was convinced, so she took some of the fruit and ate it, and then she gave it to her husband. And verse 7 says, at that moment, their eyes were open, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. It says, so they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Verse 9 is key. It says, Then the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid because I was afraid. If you actually look at what that means, it means I was full of fear. Now, what I want us to notice today, just right off the top, is, is how one of the first emotions that was ever felt and expressed after the fall of man uh, was the emotion of fear. Like Adam said once again, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid because I was afraid. Now, in light of that, I'm curious, just by a quick showing and a waving of a hand, like how many of you guys have ever experienced the emotion of fear? Come on, like, like give it to me. You've, you've experienced the emotion of fear. Yeah. Now, to be clear, according to what we just read, like, I I want us to understand the type of fear that we're like acknowledging at the moment that that fear didn't come from God. Right? Right? Like, that is a byproduct based off of what we just read, is a byproduct of the fall of man. You see, ever since Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, people have uh, become afraid of all sorts of things. Now, some of the things I think that people are afraid of, like they're common, we all get it. Like people are afraid of the dark, right? They're afraid of spiders, they're afraid of heights, they're afraid of, uh, you know, being in really tight places. Uh, while others are less common, and, and these are real fears, I'm not making any of these up. Like we know there are people that are afraid of the boogeyman, right? They're afraid of belly buttons. <laughs> Crossing the street, looking up, they're afraid of looking up, they're scared of the color yellow, the number four, and uh, they're afraid of, of being without a cell phone. And then there's probably, uh, you know, my, not my favorite, but one I'm certainly trying not to be offended by, it's called, uh, let me see if I can get this right, homophobia, which is the fear of sermons. <laughs> Once again, I'm, I'm not making any of those up. Those are diagnoses that people have. Anyways, all right, so while I'm certainly... 
uh, convinced that there's an interesting conversation and probably all that stuff. Uh, those aren't really the types of fear that I'm interested in talking about today. Rather, I, I want to talk about this. Like, what do we do? What do you and I do when we have a fear of being alone or a fear of being abandoned or a fear of not being in control or a fear of surrender or having a fear of commitment? How about a fear of change or a fear of not having enough money? How about a fear of rejection or the fear of not measuring up or the fear of failure or fear of becoming sick or dying? How about the fear of losing someone we love? And then the last two that we don't really talk about in church a lot because it's not spiritual is the fear of not knowing our purpose or the fear of actually missing God. See, if we realize or not, all of those fears really boil down to this. Key word here. They boil down to the unknowns of our lives. Like because we don't know what's going to happen in the future, because we don't know what's going to happen in a particular situation or with a certain person, we begin to experience the emotion of fear. Now, obviously, how we express you know, that fear varies from one person to the next, tends to do with our personality or whatever. But, but the key thing I want us to get here at the top is that we become afraid whenever we feel powerless or we feel vulnerable or incapable in a situation. Like when we feel powerless, guys, that's typically when the unsanctified side of our imagination begins to run in a really unhealthy direction that tells us if it can go wrong, it will go wrong. Like how many times have you and I sat in the, you know, in the dark in our own room and our minds wrote a story that never came to be? Right? So, but, but watch this. On a deeper level, what's really happening in all those moments is this, is that whenever we feel like our security is being threatened, when we feel like there's a situation that threatens our comfort or threatens our identity or even threatens our life, uh, what happens scientifically is, is there's this thing known as the prefrontal cortex of our brain. Like literally it changes like that when we are threatened. And so we actually go from operating off a normal high functioning brain to what is known as the fight, flight or freeze mode. Right, like this change is, is often referred to by, by, by people way smarter than me as in that moment, your brain actually transitioned. They call it flipping the lid. Right, so when our lid is flipped, we start making irrational decisions that you and I would never make otherwise. So if I can give you an example, like how, how many of us have ever been in an argument where we ended up saying something we didn't mean? Or like how many times have we faced a situation where we felt so much fear, we may not say it's fear, but we felt in such a way the only thing we wanted to do was run. Like we just had to get out of there. Or like how many times has somebody, whatever, hid behind the door or walked around the corner and it scared us and our body just like gave up the ghost, right? Like, like it involuntarily froze, like it went in shock. Maybe we screamed, maybe we peed in our pants a little. I, I don't know. Like, like something happened, right, involuntarily. But so that is the, that is the fire. Fight, flight, or freeze mode that I'm referring to. So it's where we do this. It's where we start uh, thinking, doing, and saying things that we typically wouldn't do. Why? Because we are afraid. Once again, has anybody ever been there? Yeah, like all of us, right? All right, so with all that said, I, I want us to know that there's a huge difference between reacting out of fear for a brief moment. Like, in other words, there's a big difference between I said something to somebody 20 years ago and we moved on. We got over it. There's a big difference between that and then falling into a pattern of fearful thinking where we are consistently living with a flip lid. 
right? It's when we live in that pattern where our lid's constantly being flipped and we're constantly reacting, saying, doing, right? things out of that. What happens is, is when we live there, that's what the devil begins to use to ruin our relationships. Like, like literally, if you know, not to, to throw salt in some wound or anything like that, but if you go back and look at relationships that maybe haven't worked out, I guarantee you we were responding out of a lot of fear. Right, So the devil uses it to ruin relationships, but he also uses that kind of fear right, to stun our spiritual growth. And ultimately, here's what he's after, is to destroy our God-given purpose. You see, there's things, and we've talked about in the past, like obviously the devil's got a toolbox. Like he, he, will, he will distract us to keep us from fulfilling God's plan for our life. He'll keep us busy. Right. He'll he'll even keep us angry. He'll keep us lustful, like throw in whatever you want to throw in there. But but it's key that we understand that that fear is one of the greatest killers of a person's destiny. Amen. So what I want to do for the next few minutes is is I want to give you actually the best biblical example I know of in the Bible where fear ruins someone's destiny. And I want to read through that, and then I want to circle back. But my, my goal is today is just read a scripture that's been on my heart, and I'm going to give you a few thoughts that have hopped out. We're going to end the day, and you're going to probably feel like, wow, that's an incomplete message. It's because it is. For two reasons. A, kind of like, yo, I'm ready to go to bed. What I mean was last night, like, okay, I'm done, right? But secondly, I had to go, okay, if I go into the next part, I want to have a few more pages of notes, and I don't need to kill you today. So we have next week. All right, so, so we'll try to finish next week. Okay, all right, here we go. Y'all ready? Yes. Numbers chapter three. All right. It says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan. It says, Which I am giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, everyone a leader among them. So we know how he responded. Moses selected 12 men, just like God told him to, uh, one from each tribe, right? Now, to be clear, these 12 guys weren't like, you know, uh, 12 dudes that Moses picked up as he was rolling through the neighborhood. They weren't average Joes, right? So in other words, these are guys that the people of Israel had trusted and listened to for many, many years. So what happens was, is Moses selected them and then he gave them their mission. And here was their mission from the Lord. Verse 17, it says, go and see what the land is like, whether the people who dwell in are strong or weak, few or many, whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities they inhabit are like open camps or strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor, or whether there are forests there or not. And he says, be of good courage. Somebody say good courage. It says, and bring back some of the fruit of the land. And so they went out and they spied the land for 40 days. All right. So here's where my mind goes when I read that. I'm, I'm thinking, okay, if I was one of the Israelites that wasn't chosen, right? Like I was just a normal dude in town. But I know God spoke to us. He said, okay, I, we're leaving Egypt and there's this promised land I'm going to give you. I'm going to be pretty stoked because why? Because I, I'm looking for a home. I'm looking for a place to settle with my family. I'm looking for a place to do life and community with people, right? And so I'm, I'm inside eager and anticipating some really good news when they get back, right? Like we're going to get some forward direction. These are our leaders. That's what leaders do. They lead, and they're going to lead us there, okay? So the Bible says, obviously, they went for 40 days, and when they returned, here's the report they gave. Verse 27, it says, We went into the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Remember, they're holding uh, two guys holding a pole. There's a cluster of grapes. In other words, they're saying, man, it is a land of abundance, exactly like God said it would be. 
But, but verse 28 starts with a word that's kind of like the hinge that everything of the story changes on. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the sense of Anak there. And they, then they talk about the Amalekites, the Hittites, the Jebusites, Canaanites. And so the news of all that obviously stirred some commotion because it says that Caleb quietened the people before Moses. In other words, he had to, he had to say, okay, stop, y'all, calm down. Listen to what I'm about to say. And he says, let us go up at once. Let's go immediately and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him got even louder than Caleb, and they said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land, which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our sight, and so we were in their sight." All right. So once they heard that, they immediately disregarded what Caleb said, but they didn't just disregard that. Guess what happened? They completely fell apart. Let me go back to what we said earlier. Their lids flipped, right? So much so, right, the irrational thinking started happening. Fear took over, right? And they started planning their wives, their kids, and even their own funerals. That's what it says. Right In the midst of planning their own funerals, they thought, well, maybe we could get a new leader and he could take us back to Egypt. Literally, get that, that they were willing to go back to bondage and slavery. Right, And, and so here's what they said to each other. Get these words because they're important for where we're going. It says in verse 14, chapter 14, verse 2, it's, they said, if only we had died in this wilderness. In other words, they're saying, man, from what we just heard, it'd be better if we dropped dead right now. So when they heard this, the Bible tells us that Moses and Aaron fell face down on the ground and they began to pray. They began to intercede for the people while Joshua and Caleb actually tore their, their, their shirts and began to plead with everyone. And here's what they said. Verse 7 says, the land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. There it is again. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into the land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Watch these next words. Nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. In other words, too easy. We got them, right? Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Four words. Do not fear them. Do not fear them. And you would think, okay, that's a leader telling us to, that's not what happened. They literally began to pick up stones and they were going to quieten down Joshua and Caleb. They were going to stone them and kill them, right? But before they could kill them, the glory of God fell. And then it's like dad walked in the room, right? And then he began to kind of like sort out their mess. Now, here's what happened in the following verses is that God said he was so fed up with them that he was ready to wipe them all out and start over with Moses because maybe he could do it better the second time. However you want to word it, right? But, but Moses being the guy who was, he prayed, he interceded, God forgave them. But, but just because God forgave them didn't mean it erased the consequence of their actions. Like we need to hear that, right? Yeah. And, and, so, and so what happened was we know their consequence of their sin is that God decided that everybody was 20 years and up. In other words, everybody that was in the sense was old enough to know what was going on, right? Outside of Joshua and Caleb, all those people are going to spend the rest of their lives wandering in the wilderness, because they heard and responded to a negative report, right? So why would God do that? Look at verse 28. This is God talking to Moses. Like, like, it seems like, God, you're pretty mean. Why would you do that? Watch this, though. Great lesson for us here. 
It says, now tell them this, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very things I heard you say. Let's think about the words we use. I will do to you the very things I heard you say. What did they say? If only we had died in the wilderness. And he said in verse 29, it says, you will all drop dead in this wilderness. And then watch what happened. Verse 36 says the 10 men that went out with Joshua and Caleb to explore the land. It says that, that those guys decided rebellion. In other words, those who stirred up fear in the hearts of the people, that they were struck dead at that moment with a plague and they died. In other words, there was no collect $200 and pass go. They were done, right? Only Joshua and Caleb lived. All right, now here's where the story kind of turns and we are almost done with this. If you continue to read, you find that 40 years, all those people died. And then God tapped Joshua on the shoulder and said, hey, you're the, you're the next man up. I, I don't know how he felt about that after walking around circles for 40 years dealing with those people. But, but, but God said, you're up. Okay, now I want you to notice what he said when he commissioned him in his new position. He said this, you're in Joshua chapter 1. He said, yep, Moses is dead. You're now the guy. As I was with Moses, I'll be with you. Every place the sole of your feet touch, I'll give it to you. And then he said this in verse 6. He said, be strong and courageous. Let me put it to you like this. God is saying, don't make the same mistake that those people did. Right? He said, for you are the one who's going to lead these people into the land I promised. And then he reiterates and says, be strong and very courageous. If you go to verse 9, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Right? And so then we see throughout the rest of the book, like God told him, I think it was like four or five, six times, do you see for the rest of the book, obviously he was a strong, courageous leader, and he led him into the promised land. All right. All right, so with all that in mind, I, here's, here's kind of what I want us to do. I think we all recognize that, um, we, like we can all agree that the, that the emotion of fear is pretty common. Every one of us have experienced that. But I hope we can also agree that God doesn't want us to make decisions from that position of fear, right? And secondly there, that he doesn't want us all the more to live in a constant state of fear in any area of our lives. Like you have to understand that God's not okay with you living in seven areas free and two areas in bondage. He wants you to be free in every area of your life and my life, right? And so in my opinion, if we're going to overcome the fears that maybe we're facing today. Once again, I don't know what you may be feeling or not feeling. I, I don't know. But, but I do know this. If we're going to overcome that, there's several lessons that are found in this story that I think would help us. Okay, here we go. So the first thing I want us to notice is that when the 12 men returned from spying out the land, every single person, get that, every single person in Israel had a choice, and that choice was this. Number one is would they listen to the voice of fear or would they listen to the voice of faith? Would they listen to the voice of fear or would they listen to the voice of faith? You know, what we just read, we all get it. Like, each person heard the 10 spies give their negative report, but they also heard Joshua and Caleb give the positive report. The 10 spies represent the voice of fear. Caleb, obviously, and Joshua represent the voice of faith. One said, we can't. The other one said, you're right, but God can, right? So ultimately, we know because they allowed that voice of fear to drown out and become greater, become louder than the voice of faith, they chose to disobey God. So, so like, let's go ahead and just understand. Let's call it like it is. A lot of people talk about grumbling, complaining. That's definitely part of it. But the reason that they didn't enter into the promised land was because of fear. 
So, like, if we could let that sink in, it's like because they heeded the voice of fear, they didn't do what God wanted them to. It was like they heard the negative report. They felt like their sense of security was threatened. Their lid was flipped, and they panicked, and they went 100% flight mode, right? So much so that moving forward in faith was not an option. Let's find a new leader, and let's go back, right? So here's the point. Maybe the, the, the best thing I'm going to tell you all day. Here's the point. Write this down is that you and I need to remember that fear is a poor leader. That fear is a poor leader. And the reason is because it never produces anything good. It never produces anything fruitful or healthy in our lives. Like if we can't for a moment, just in yourself, like think for a second, the moments where you've responded out of fear, maybe it was a moment or maybe it was a long-term fear. Please tell me if it produced anything good in your life. No, it never does, right? So the truth is, is when we begin to live in a, in a pattern of fear, so let's take it beyond just a moment, when we begin to live in a pattern of fear, what we see from these guys is ultimately that pattern of fear will lead to disobedience in some area. Yeah. It will lead to that, right? So we got to remember as believers, like, man, we're called to be led by the truth, right? It's the truth that produces faith in our hearts, and it's that faith that produces obedience, Right, So that's why Joshua and Caleb could stand there that day and say, I'm not afraid of the descendants of Anak. I'm not afraid of the Jebusites, Canaanites, Hittites. I'm not afraid of any of them. Why? Because I know God's with me. Right? They had faith that if God said it, he could do it. Amen. All right? So, so the question is, when it comes to the fears that we're personally struggling with this moment, th- those emotions, let me say that way, the emotions that we're feeling, do we think it's because we're listening to the voice of fear or the voice of faith? And then we have to ask, where do we think that voice is leading us? For our second point, there's, I want to go back to a verse, Numbers 13, 32 through 33. It says, And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we had gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. Here's key verse. There we saw the giants, and we... We're like grasshoppers in our sight. And so we were in their sight. So point number two, if you're taking notes, is, is the fear they felt was rooted in a lie about what? About their identity. So notice what they said. We were like grasshoppers in our sight, and so we were in their sight. Now, I don't know about you, but I, when I read this, I'm like, who told them that? Like, who told them that they were as small and as weak as an insect? Because if you read the story, they never talked to one of those tribal people that lived in that region. Right? So, so where did they come up with that? The truth is, is somewhere along the line, uh, you know, over those 40 days, 10 of those leaders, right? Those leaders had an identity crisis where they went from being warriors to being cowards. Like, that's what the word fear means. It means being a coward. So they went from being good leaders to bad leaders. They went from being guys who had a history of going, hey, that's the way we need to go. That's how you handle this situation. This is what we need to do here. They went from that to being guys who absolutely fell apart. Why? Because their lids flipped because they saw somebody. Right? So here's what I want us to do, if you can, just for a moment. is like pick any one of those fears that we mentioned earlier. Like, we'll throw the list back up. Like you can pick any of those. Pick the fear of rejection, the fear of being alone, the fear of commitment, 
or the fear of failure. Again, we can pick any of them. So for years, I've been taught this, is that where there is fruit, you can write this down, where there is fruit, there is always a root. So in just the way when we look at someone's life that they're struggling with lust, we'd say that's fruit. If they're struggling with anger, we'd say that's fruit, right? If there's a poverty mindset, that's fruit. In the same way, fear is fruit. And if there's the fruit that's growing in our lives of fear, if it's revealing itself in some way, then we have to track that thing down to figure out what's the root, right? And so, so I would be so confident to literally say this, that probably nine out of 10 fears that we face have their roots in some sort of lie concerning our identity, like fear of rejection. What's wrong with me that they would reject me? Fear of commitment. What's wrong with me that I couldn't make commitment they wouldn't commit to me? Poverty. What's wrong with me that God wouldn't bless me? Right? Like you can literally go on down the list. It's going to find its way to a lie about your identity or my identity that we believed. Right. See, and there's that thing that's, that's this, what's crazy is I, I think at this moment somebody could easily go, but people have said that about me. Have you ever thought that you put it off so much that now they believe it? Right? That there's a way that I can carry it and I can act out of that thing so much, people begin to go, yes, and, and they are not uh, identifying a truth about you. They're just seeing the lie so much they've come in agreement with it too. Right? Because that's how it's like this. Uh, you know, I, basically, we were as that, and they saw us as that too. We're grasshoppers. We're less than. So often because of, once again, what we know the Bible says, as a man thinks in the heart, so he is. So often because I keep doing it, it produces outcomes in our life. But let's take fear for a moment, that stuff that we are worried about. Did, did you know that according to psychologists, that understand all the brain science stuff. And I'm going to get my statistics wrong here a little bit. Forgive me. I will give you exact numbers next week. They're in my notes uh, in another document, okay? But it's like 87% of the things that we sit back and worry, fret, anxious, fear, right? The things that we are writing all those stories and directing all those stories in our head, that literally 87% of those things never even happen. And here's what's wild. Out of the ones that do happen, they say, like, take that as another 100%. Only 7% of that was as bad as you thought it was going to be. So think about for a moment how many hours that you and I have spent wasting by worrying about something that's never going to happen. It's amazing how believing a lie will change a narrative about a lot of things. Yeah. All right, so here's the question. Is that when we think about the fears we struggle with, could it be possible that, that we are believing a lie? If I could say it maybe this way, look at your life and look where you keep running into the same issues. Stop for a minute. Stop blaming everybody else, right? And go, maybe there's a lie in this area that I have believed. Okay? And, and if you're unsure, here's what's awesome, guys. We, we are people that are full of the Spirit of God. All we have to do is this, is Holy Spirit, what's the lie I'm believing? And wait for him to speak to you, because he will. Amen? And it's amazing when that lie is exposed, the power of it will be broken over your life, and you'll begin to live free again. Amen? All right. Third thing that we learn from the Israelites here is this, is that they didn't realize fear always comes with a price. 
That fear always comes with a price. You know, unfortunately, there's a lot of, a, lot of Christians, and maybe, you, you know, you're one of them today, I'm not sure, but they have been taught for year after year after year after year that, that what they do doesn't really matter. And what I mean by that is like, everybody, everybody please listen to what I'm about to say, please. That, that literally there's people in the church world that are being taught that it doesn't matter. Like if you choose to pray or not, doesn't matter. If you choose to study and obey the word of God or not, doesn't matter. If you choose to live righteous or not, doesn't matter. If you want to live by faith or not, doesn't matter. If you want to be trapped in fear, doesn't really matter. The reason it doesn't matter is because God's will, in spite of you, is still going to be done. Perfect will, it's going to be done. Right? Like I've heard that so many times, and they'll say this. It's because God is sovereign, and he has already predestined everything that's going to happen. So if you like it or not, it doesn't matter what you do, how good it is, how bad it is. doesn't matter. You're just long for the ride. It's going to happen. That sounds great in theory, but it's not biblical. Okay? And, and the reason it's not biblical, like all we have to do is stop for a second and go, let me look at the story I just read. Is that what happened? The answer is no. Like, like we could get super practical and just say this. You know, it, you know, there's a lot of married couples in the room. You, you know, just imagine if you approached your marriage like, doesn't matter what I do. She's still going to love me. He's still going to love me. Tell me how well that's going to work out for you. Right? Yeah. So, so, so if it doesn't work in that relationship, or if you go like this, let's say you have kids, neglect them. By all means, like we just saw two babies up here. Lay them on the ground. See how well they develop. Right? It doesn't matter. There's, there's a plan and a purpose for their life. It'll come to pass. We'll go to the orphanages where those kids are dying because nobody's holding them. Right? So, so that theology, in my opinion, is a life from hell. Okay? And so... Let's, once again, look at what we just read because we have a part to play in this. It's called a free will, right? So notice that the Bible says that, that God clearly brought them out of Egypt for the purpose to have an encounter with them, right, Mount Sinai, and then to go into the promised land. It was an 11-day journey. But because of fear, that 11-day journey, once again, turned into walking around the desert for 40 years until they died. So the truth is, once again, they extended their stay, right? And it wasn't a good stay, okay? But it didn't just extend their stay. It ultimately cost them their lives. Like, grab a hold of that. Fear costs millions of people their lives. God said, you're not going in. Moses said, God said, you're not going in. And then if you read the story, they tried to say, oh, let's go in. And they got it handed to them. Because... God's hand wasn't on them. So then they turned around with their tail tucked between their legs and they started wondering, right? And you'll read that it wasn't all bad. Sometimes they got in a fight with somebody, right? They went a war, they went a little battle, a little, little scuffle, right? Uh, and they kept bumping into the promised land, the borders of the promised land occasionally, but they never got to go in. Literally, they had to wait till the last person that generation kicked the bucket before they could go in. Now, in my head, can I just take a break with you for a second? Can we just pause, break? Okay. Here's the way I read the Bible. You may think something's wrong with me. Cool. Okay. But, but, but I, picture, I picture being one of the 10-year-old boys that God was like, okay, if you're over 20, you're not going in. You're going to walk right in for 20 years. <laughs> right? Because he said, 
basically for each day that you went to spout out the land, I'm giving you a year. And can you imagine being like, hey, man, we're down. I counted this morning. There's only 108 of those old jokers left. <laughs> right? Be like, hey, the guy down the street, yeah, he, yeah, he died last night. 50, 55 more to go. <laughs> like, 10 more. <laughs> like, you're just, like, can you imagine, like, we're cheering it on. Like, let's go. Come on. That's what I think, man. Anyways, unpause. Okay. All right, here's what I want to say. So obviously it cost him something. Do we all agree? Okay, all right. Was that the only time that happened in the Bible? No. Okay, so obviously the 10 spies, we know that it cost them their lives. That day a plague hit them, boom, they didn't even get a chance to wonder. If you fast forward to 1 Samuel 15, you see that King Saul lost his throne. Why? Because he was scared of the people more than he feared God, so he lost the throne, right? Back all the way up to, to Genesis chapter 20, we see that Abraham was, was, uh, went to this area, and he was so scared because his 90-year-old wife was so hot, he was worried about someone uh, taking his wife, killing him, taking his wife, right? Yes, I said 90-year-old woman. She, the lotion was working, right? Anyway, so... Anyway, so he lied, and you think, well, well, God bailed him out. There wasn't a cost. Now, watch this. I'm saying this intentionally, okay? It's kind of a detour. I'm saying intentionally because I want parents in the room to hear this, okay? Once again, it looks like God bailed Abraham out of that, but watch six chapters later what happened. It says, when the men who lived there asked Isaac, that's Abraham's son, about his wife, Rebekah, he said, she's my sister, why did he say that? He was afraid to say, she is my wife. Are we seeing the rerun here? And then it says, he thought they will kill me to get her because she is so beautiful. But sometime later, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out his window and saw Isaac caressing Rebekah. Uh-oh. Okay. Verse 9 says, immediately Abimelech called to Isaac and exclaimed, she is obviously your wife. I saw that, right? <laughs> And says, why did you say she is my sister? And what did he say? Because I was afraid. I was afraid somebody was going to kill me and get to her. So, so what's my, my thought here? Like, what, what was the cost for Abraham? The cost was simply this, is that his fear was reproduced in his son. Right? Like, like, like how many things, like, let's stop for a moment and think about, like, how many things in our lives are hand-me-down emotions? I'm talking about generational junk, right? Bondage, okay? And so two ways I want us to look at this, that yes, we understand that, that it can be generational bondage, generational sin, but it can also be basically learned behavior. So parents in the room, what I want you to do is be able to look at your children and go, man, am I seeing the fears of my life being reproduced in them? And that can manifest in many different ways. And then have the courage to go, okay, this isn't dishonoring, but to look above you on that family ladder and to go, okay, the fears I have, did I get that from mom? Did that come from dad? Did that come from grandpa? Right? And at that moment, that's where we have to take our authority in the kingdom and to go, okay, I'm going to repent, but I'm going to break that off my children. I'm going to go get myself healed up. And if it's from there, man, I'm going to forgive, right? But I'm also going to repent for accepting that. And then I'm going to break its power in Jesus' name, right? So I can live free. Am I making sense to y'all? Okay. All right. So the last question I have here before we move to our last point is, is can we see how fear has cost us throughout our lives? Like, look back. How have you paid the price? Because I promise you, you've paid it somewhere.
Last point, number four, is fear caused the Israelites to forget what God had done in the past. This is huge. Sounds so simple, but it's huge. Fear caused them to forget what God had done in the past. So I don't know about you, but when I read this story, like I'm blown away by how quickly these millions of people absolutely forgot what God had done for them. It's like they hear that negative report, once again, that's threatening some area in their life. Their lids flip, and all the memories of God's power that he demonstrated for them again and again went out the door. Right? Like the ten plagues, gone. Right? Parting of the Red Sea, gone. Y'all realize that was only like a couple of days before this. That wasn't years. We're talking like 11 days. <laughs> right? So my math may be wrong there, but it wasn't long, right? So to understand the pillar of fire by night, forgot it. Cloud by day, forgot it. Water from the rock, gone. Manna, gone. Like they forgot all that stuff. Like it was, it was like when fear hit, God had never done a single thing for them. Now, when I say that, I recognize that it's easy to throw rocks at those guys. But let's ask ourselves for a moment. Let me, once again, practical. Let me get back to it. Have you ever had a fight with your spouse? And the 20, 30, 40 years that you've been with each other of love, man, all that went out the door. <laughs> I ain't never loved me. <laughs> yes, no, like, yeah, yeah, yes. There's like five on the souls in here. So that's good. It's happened to me, okay? So, so the reality is this, is, is when we have an issue, crisis hits in our life, how many times have we done the exact same thing that, that it's like, man, he's never done a thing for us. We get sick and we forgot how many times he healed us before. Financial thing comes up, we forget all the times he, he came through and provided for us before, right? Like, like the last time he gave me that job, the last time he gave me that rate. Like, like you name the situation, like, man, he's done it. He's done it. Right? So, so when that thought is this, when you look at this topic, you realize that fear, worry, and anxiety, man, they, they all point to the future. But guess what? So does faith, hope, and love. And so, so where we understand that fear, worry, and anxiety, man, that can shut down our future like we've been reading. But if we want that door to the future to remain open, then we got to be people of faith. We got to be people who have hope, and we got to walk in love. Yeah. Amen? So, so to me, if, that, if we're going to keep that door of opportunity open our life on what God wants to do, then there needs to be a healthy reminder of, of God, thank you that you've done this in my life. Like, I'll say this. So one of the neat things, you know, if, if you are a part of the anchor team, like we gave, um, like little notebooks. And I love the part that's on the top. It actually says, basically, what are you grateful for today? So I've really enjoyed that when, I'm, when I've been reading my Bible this year and I'm tracking it along in that, right, making notes, that one of the first things that it asks, the first things that it asks, basically, what are you grateful for? <laughs> it's made me do what we're talking about. So, so my mind doesn't get lost in just all the issues and problems that I forget who he was or who he's been, right? Amen. Can you stand to your feet? So with those four thoughts of mine, let me just kind of give you the counterpoints and Alicia's going to pray and we're going to be done for the day. So what are we talking about really if we want to overcome fear? We need to do this. We need to listen to the voice of faith. Man, so often the voice of fear is screaming at us. We need to get quiet before the Lord and remember the voice of faith. Next thing is this, is we need to know and believe what God says about our identity. It's why it's important that we know the Bible. 
and we pray the Bible, declare the Bible, right? Speak it over our lives. The third one is this, is I think we need to be willing to pay the price of surrender because there is a price that comes with surrender, right? So it's rather than suffering, I would say cost, but also the loss of fear. Surrender, if you pay the price, you always get something out of it. And fear, you lose it. Is that true? Yeah. And the last one is this, is we need to consistently remind ourselves of what he has done. Amen. Can you close your eyes and just position your heart for the Lord? Let's go close in prayer and we're going to be done. Father, thank you for this message and for speaking to us today. Um, we stand before you with open hearts, Lord, that you would have your way in our minds. Lord, I pray that you would bring revelation to every mind in this room, Father, and that you would put your finger on the areas where we all are operating in fear or your finger on the areas where we have those unhealthy habits or maybe they're generational habits, Lord God, but we give you permission this week to speak to us that you would help us to listen to the voice of faith. Say that, say that right now. Say, I choose to listen to the voice of faith. Okay, Father God, this week we are choosing collectively as the Anchor Church to listen to the voice of faith. Holy Spirit, be faithful to remind us that we will listen to the voice of faith. And in those moments, we recognize that we have a choice and we're going to choose faith, Lord. We're going to choose faith. Holy Spirit, push us into faith. We reject fear and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.